If you're an Android user and you are looking for a new app to download your podcasts, I recommend you check out the Podcast Republic app. Go to the Google Play Store, download the Podcast Republic app. It's a fantastic app. You get all of your stuff right in one place on your Android devices. Uh, you search for the show that you like. You make it a favorite. So please make Dissecting the 80s one of your favorites. And it downloads them for you, and you'll have them all just a click away. Once again, that's the Podcast Republic app for your Android devices. We have a much bigger explanation of this announcement in the other episode that dropped today. Uh, so you can go there and get some more details. But we want to make sure everybody knows, in case you didn't listen to that, we are now on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. Uh, we're also going to link that in all the social media pages and stuff. We have reward tiers from $2 all the way up to the unbelievable, ridiculous $88 level, uh, which we're not expecting people to jump in on. But we, you know, you got to have a little fun with these things. We're giving uh, extra content out for people who support us. It's uh, We have a monthly newsletter. We've got extra episodes, bonus episodes, and then some group goals as well. If, if we get to certain thresholds, like uh, $50 a month, we're getting bonus episodes for everybody who supports us, no matter what tier you're at. So we have price levels for pretty much any budget on there, and we hope that you'll consider supporting us on Patreon so we can keep making this awesome free podcast for you. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I'm Triple. Actually, you know what? This is the 100th episode. I've been doing this for a very long time. We've done like five or six live episodes. It's time you start pulling your weight around here. Why don't you, why don't you do the intro? Why don't you why don't you do take some take some reins, take the responsibility. Go ahead. Let's let's intro. You you take the reins. Are you sure though? Cuz like what if I do it better than you? And it could audience, be a disaster. And then the <laughs> audience is like, "Hang on." You need to re-record all 100 other episodes with Andrew doing the intro. Why is his name first? <laughs> Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Andrew Leno, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers, and with me as always is my Fratelli brother, Trip Leno. Uh, oh, what you, hang on. What happens after that? <laughs> it's not so easy taking the reins now, is it, Mr. Al? You, oh, what if I do a better job and whatever? you mentioned that I was going to do this. No, I wanted to put you on the spot. I thought it'd be much more entertaining I introed great. I don't, I don't, what happens next is usually freeform, organic. <laughs> we're bringing you the 100th episode of Dissecting the 80s with a movie that we said we were never going to do. In fact, we were so sure we would never get to this movie that we did a different style, like a scripted episode, Way back two years ago, where we did a fake episode of Radio Lab, also about the Goonies, which you can hear in the archive if you're interested. We uh, we recruited a bunch of friends and did some voiceover work for us. A lot of fun. Very different than our normal thing. But this year, we're doing a proper episode on the Goonies. Again, something we said we'd never do. So, we watched the Goonies, and you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your rich stuff. Something's gotta be done about your rich stuff. When the mega powers explode! I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott! Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 yeah. Mega powers, yeah! When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Congratulations, by the way. I'm gonna do. We'll do most of this self-congratulatory stuff on the other episode. But uh, very proud of hitting 100 episodes, and 
think you should be too. And yeah, it's uh, pretty great. Uh, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. In case you turn off the episode at some point and don't hear it, we'll make sure you hear it here up top. Thank you. Thank you. Let me put one more caveat on here. It is currently 85 degrees in my apartment, so I'm suffering for my art today. So donate to Patreon is what he's saying. <laughs> so, so, yes. So that Trip can have... For just 80 <laughs> cents a day, you can give Trip Leto some AC. Uh... I have to turn my AC off when we record the show because it's a window unit and not central air. It's too noisy and it's ruinous for podcasting. So uh, my sacrifice for all of you is that this is basically an endurance sport for me for the next three months. <laughs> and that I, I activity. Yeah, no, I legitimately have to take a shower when we finish recording because I will be that sweaty. So uh, anyway, on to the movie. I have this on Blu-ray. And I, mean, I have I, it, I have two copies of this on Blu-ray. You must have mine because I had to rebuy this. I have one that it, it, it's Gremlins, Gremlins Two, and the Goonies, which is oh okay, which makes sense and doesn't at the same time. And like, I feel like you don't need those three movies together. You can do two of each of those movies. Yeah, I I feel like you could easily like Gremlins, Gremlins Two, obviously, or Goonies, Gremlins is probably a harmonious pairing. But the all three is kind of a jumble. It is. And then I, ju- I have just a copy of The Goonies. But I don't know that I- it's yours because remember there were like three Christmases in a row where mom bought me a Blu-ray copy of The Breakfast Club? Yes, so I, have three I do. Cop- I have three Blu-rays of The Breakfast Club. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I had a Blu-ray copy of this and I lost it and had to rebuy it. But anyway, I have like a budget version of it so it's not the super fancy edition of- and all the extra-, extra features and whatnot. But... There's this like really realistic zoom in spins on a skull in the title sequence before they like start the Fratellis in the prison thing. And I have apps. I've seen this movie 500 times. I have no recollection of that bit. Yeah. Same here. I was like, oh, because this was the this was the watch through when you watch it for the podcast and you take your notes, you start to notice other little things that you're like, oh, what? Why didn't I think of that before? What's happening? Right. And I, I, I will say I'm going to I'm going to make you all wait till the end, but I'm going to tease it here. Everybody likes to pull out this thing about like, oh, Mr. Whatever. Mikey's dad, who runs the, the local historical society, sees this like handful of jewels at the end of the movie and is like, oh, my God, I have a I have a theory and a rebuttal to the Internet being like, me, me, me. How do you know how much those jewels a are hand, worth? A tiny handful of plastic jewels. Let's yeah. rip up these papers. Let's I've got wait a theory. two seconds. I've got a theory, and we'll get to it when we get there. But right now, we're going to talk about the beginning of this movie, which is where this buckwild fake hanging into prison break. It's I I miss non-farting, fumbling bad guys in children's movies. These guys do get into that like like slapsticky doofus territory, but it always feels threatening. Yeah, like it's not like if you know uh, like. Jonah Hill or Seth Rogen were like, hey, oh, I ate some beans, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, you know, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Furious lawyer tweets. Don't at me. You know I'm right. <laughs> My client has never been in a film where he ate beans and made fart noises with his mouth. <laughs> um, and so, like, these guys are all kind of idiots, the, the bro- I say the, the brothers are kind of idiots, and Mama Fratelli is the the brains of the operation, which is refreshing that it's a lady who's in charge of this, like, criminal mastery. They, yeah. It was just and like, did I was you like, know oh, this, this is lovely. 
she actually was the founder of the Theater of Living Arts Theater Company in Philadelphia in the 50s or 60s. I didn't know that. Yeah, she was one of the two family members. That was where I saw, not my first concert, but one of my first concerts. And it's just down the street from where we just had our live episode for the Philly Podcast Festival. Yeah. But I, I agree with you. I, I do really like the the smart person up top with the two bumbling idiots is like a pretty standard, but I do like that. It's a woman instead of a man, which especially for it being in the eighties is, is pretty uncommon. She's also just awesome because she's very scary in a way that's terrifying. Yeah. And it's not like necessarily physical presence. You just from her voice and the, the, the little micro expressions she makes when she like looks at slaw or chunk rather, um, she looks like she would, have no problem putting you to death. You know what I mean? Like she'd absolutely give you the black spot with no qualms about it. Yeah. Like there's definitely times in this movie where I wish it wasn't so children's movie. Like I'm like, there's no way that this woman would hesitate to shoot these children in the face. No, no. Mama Fratelli would be like, Oh, you kids are here. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Yeah. Hey boys, clean up the mess. Yeah. Absolutely. Because she does make them walk the plank and try to drown them, so it's not like it's that big of a difference. Yeah. Um, I also uh, enjoy normally that very played out movie gag of like, unlock the door while you open it. Click, 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 click is annoying. But in this, instead of them eventually getting the door open, he just jumps in the sunroof. And I like loved the little twist on that stupid gag. I like that this movie has a lot of those moments where, like, there's a bit of tension, but then they break it to do something kind of stupid and silly. Yeah. Now, we go from that. Brolin escapes from prison. Joe Pantoliano starts a big fire, um, you know, in the parking lot of the police station. And then Mama Fratelli is driving the car away, and she's inexplicably eating a saltine cracker. It. I love it, and it makes no sense. <laughs> And ha- or has any bearing on the rest of the film. Like, it doesn't come back later that she just constantly eats. It's just a weird little bit. I love it. Yeah, and it's it makes me wonder if there's, like, a bunch of scenes cut on the, on the cutting room floor where she was eating saltine crackers for some reason. But it's bizarre that she's just, like, munching away on this cracker, and then it just never comes back for any <laughs> reason. We also get the uh, children's action equivalent of a turn and smile, where we get to meet all our main characters. Yeah, but I have a beef with this that I never noticed again because we were watching it for this versus just watching it as a person. So we get like a quick, here's every character in 10 seconds. We get Mouth is like an idiot and distracted working with his dad and gets like, you know, he turns off the TV and then he's banging on it because he still uses the sirens. Data has his good gadgets. Chunk is a slob. He's just like spraying milkshake all over the place. And then Martha Plimpton is like washing her face in a barrel <laughs> with a crab in her hand right like what She's like crab diving what is the Which, what am i supposed to glean about martha plimpton's character from the like hair whip that she does getting this crab out of this barrel it's <laughs> i wrote the note the hell was plimpton doing yeah i never noticed that before in all the times i've watched this movie i haven't either and it's just it's, it's like uh wait a minute because here's the thing, Martha Plimpton's character is the most confusing in the film, I will say. Okay. Like, she's she's kind of nerdy and dressed sort of, like, dowdy and, like, ner- like she got the short hair and the glasses. Definitely, and the, whatever. definitely. But she's hanging out with Andy, who is sort of played up. It's, it's like, she's gorgeous and a cheerleader and one of the most, like, it's sort of like, oh, she's a, the most popular girl in school. So, like, what definitely the Definitely a cool she, kid. The hell is Andy doing with Plimpton? 
I always assumed it was like a childhood friends that like eclipsed each other in popularity, but still stayed cool connected because the popular kids stayed cool, which okay. is unusual for a movie like this for sure. Well, it's it's, just, it's also weird that there's no explanation, like none whatsoever. It would make more sense if they weren't friends and like they all like banded together on this journey because Andy's not friends with the Goonies. Right, Martha Plimpton probably should have been a Goonie. You know what I mean? That like the, the stereotypical exactly the stereotypical woman in the group that you know just hangs around there for whatever reason. Yeah, but then she would need to have long hair so she can take it out of her bun and halfway through the movie so they can tell she they can realize she's pretty. I mean, they do that anyway. Like her and mouth is weird. They're like five years apart, and it's weird. Yeah, I know. It's it's bizarre. That's my that's the other thing that's weird about this movie when you think about it too hard. Um, and I will say we both grew up watching this movie, and I have a real fondness for it, but. This is one of those ones that if you try to show it to somebody who has no connection to it, I just I don't think this plays for anybody who hasn't seen it as a Are kid. Are there people who've never seen it as a kid? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've I've I actually had some friends who had never seen it and they borrowed it and they all hated it. And I was like, Yeah, that that doesn't surprise me. Like it's not it's not like good. <laughs> it's I mean, I think it's well executed filmmaking. Yeah, but it's like for children you know what i mean like it's not fair it's not something that's gonna really hold an adult's attention if you don't have any nostalgic connection to it i don't think that's fair and i like it i'm not not saying it's a bad movie i really yeah i we're gonna make fun of it for the next hour here and i genuinely really enjoyed this movie and i liked i enjoyed watching it again here by myself in my ridiculously hot apartment yeah i i love this is a fun movie it's it's enjoyable it's exciting it's the right kind of like kids movie that's still fun for an adult to watch yeah uh we also get introduced to sean astin and uh josh brolin who are brothers who are like pretty far apart in age it seems like a good they're like five six years yeah um which is why it's weird that her and Mouth get together, like you said, because it's like a five-year age gap. But I do like they have Josh Brolin like lifting weights and wearing this ridiculous outfit that he's wearing. It's like shorts over top of sweatpants. It's so stupid. Um, he's a good sport about it, though. He put the shorts on over the sweatpants on Fallon or Kimmel or one of the late night shows a couple. Did he really? Ago. Yeah, yeah. But he's like the dumb jock, and you think the brother's like the little nerd. But then in the dialogue. In the dialogue, Josh Brolin is constantly correcting people's pronunciation, which is, like, not just nerd, but, like, douchey nerd. I, I love that. Well, I also just love the relationship between Mikey and Brand in general. Like, they feel like actual brothers. There's this Agreed. sort of, like, I'm, a, I'm annoyed by you, but I love you, and I'm going to take care, and I protect you from the world vibe. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and then we get probably my favorite scene in the movie, where Chunk shows up and does the truffle shuffle, which I, mm-hmm. you know, I... I could leave that part, but then to open the gate <laughs> triggered. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I also, well, let's pause there for a second. Let's, let's break this down. Let's 1984 fat 85 fat kid is like not even getting a warning from his doctor about his eating habits in 2018. Nope. Not at all. Like chunk today would have to like never have not, never not have a candy bar in his hand. Well, that's the thing. They do treat him like a huge fat kid for the whole movie. Like they, there's like four or five jokes about how fat he is. Then he's constantly talking about food, and then he's like eating ice cream with a dead guy in the freezer later. Like they do treat him like a slovenly doofus, and he's really not. I mean, 
he's kind of a doofus. Okay, I more meant that he was like a total fat slob. Yeah, I get. I mean, although I don't know, I'm trying to remember what other like '80s movie fatzos there were. There was the guy from Animal House. Right. That's '70s, but yeah. Oh, okay. I'm like trying to think of other comparisons like that. I mean, I, there are certainly fat guys in other movies. I just Chunk gets treated like he's unable like to Martha walk. Dunstock. Yeah, like house. unable to walk on his own power, basically, and it's <laughs> he needs it's, an ECV. Yeah, like it's like the, the kid is like a little chubby. Like it's not like he's anyway. But to let Chunk in after they make him do the truffle shuffle, they turn on this Rube Goldberg machine, and I love Rube Goldberg machines. Me I, too, but they're I, dumb. Like the Incredible Machine was my video game jam, and I while I was watching this. Last night, I thought of The Incredible Machine, and then I went and found it on the internet, and I played, like, five levels of The Incredible Machine (gasps) while I was watching this movie. I'm going to have to do that, too. It's not as much fun as you remember, but it is... That's fair. Yeah. But it is so stupid. And also, who invented this? Did Mikey create it? Is this a data gadget? There's no explanation for why this is here. And I really, truly think that it's, like, some combination of... Somebody on this production team was on the Gremlins production team because Gremlins has all sorts of Rube Goldbergy contraption stuff. Not really. Well, like the inventions. Oh, okay, that's fair. The inventions. That would yeah. Or um, Back to the Future, which also has like a crazy Rube Goldberg to feed the dog in the morning, doesn't it? Or is that Honey I Shrink the Kids? Am I getting my things crossed? Honey up? I Shrink the Kids has the Rube Goldberg in the morning. Uh, okay. In any case. It's either that or Chris Columbus, the director, is just like a huge fan and wanted to play with them. He must be because it's it like it's not Data's house, so it's the, the Data thing doesn't really make sense. And there's no there's no acknowledgement that this is a hassle. This is just like oh, this is how we let people into our house, right? And it's in, like to reset this machine, you have to like go pick up a bowling ball and move it back up a lift thing, take, and it would take you could let three people into your house. And walk them, like, to, like, from the gate to your door in the time it would take you to reset the Rue Goldberg machine. Not to mention the Chunk could just reach over the ding-dang gate and no, flick the switch. No, fat trip. <laughs> <laughs> That's clearly it. His giant body would have gotten in the way if it'd be able to reach over the gate. Yeah. Plus, there's a chicken involved, and I don't know how many eggs yeah. chickens lay every day, but yeah, there's no that's... way you can just let infinite people into your house. Chickens lay less than one egg a day. Are you serious? On average, it's like 0.8 eggs a day. So like an egg every other day-ish? Ba- you, yeah, you basic. it's, I believe the math is like a 20-hour incubation period or something. Okay. So it's it's not quite every day. I think it's like 250 to 300 eggs a year. Okay, that's fair. It's a lot of eggs. So you're letting one person into your house a day. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So let Chunk in. Uh, Mouth is also there. We didn't say that. And then Data... Corey Feldman, just in case anyone doesn't know that. That's true. And then Data comes swinging down from his house next door and crashes through the screen door. Yeah, I kind of love that bit. Like, it's really dumb in the best way. Yeah. And then they knock over a a Greek-looking little statue and knock the, the penis off. And glue it on upside down because they're dumb kids. That's my mom's favorite piece. Gross. So the mom comes home with Rosalita, who many people on the internet have pointed out that it'd be impossible for her to hire, given that she speaks no Spanish, and this woman exclusively Mm -hmm. speaks Spanish. And then, like a psycho, she's like, surely one of you children can speak Spanish and translate this for me. And then Mouth 
pipes up that he'll do it. There's no way that her son has been friends with Mouth for years, as it is clearly established. They've been friends for a long time. And she doesn't know he's an asshole. Although, no, because I, I always thought it was kind of the, um, what's his face from Leave it to Beaver? The, like, shithead next door neighbor? Oh, you think he, like, has the parents totally fooled? Yeah, I think it's an Eddie uh, Haskell. That's the name. I just okay. remember. All right, I buy that. Because, like, <laughs> she goes upstairs and gives these very detailed instructions about how she wants the clothes packed. And, uh, you know, Mouth just makes up stuff about how they want their drugs over. Why does a 12-year-old know all these words in Spanish? Oh, come on. You didn't ask for all the swear words the second you learned any foreign language? My teachers didn't tell me. Yeah, but you didn't look them up? Yeah, the f- on the, f- the internet, trip. <laughs> no, we Where looked him mouth- up with. We looked him up in the Spanish dictionary. Oh, really? Well, something like that. Oh, I just googled everything. We the second that I took Spanish classes, we learned how to swear in Spanish. Like <laughs> the moment that we could we could learn Spanish, it was like, how do I say bad words? Um, this has not changed through time. Like somebody found out the words and told them to somebody. I think it's. I think that's totally normal. Plus, I also think it's. Drugs would have been in the dictionary. The F word, maybe not, but drugs would have been in the dictionary. Drugs, you're right. Drugs super would have been in the dictionary. It's all, They also give the mom a broken arm, and it's a very weird... She's like, oh, Rosalita's helping because I can't pack because my arm is broken. And I was like, or you have a whole house to pack and a helper would be useful? Yeah, I, I almost wonder if the actress actually busted her arm and they had to, like, change the dialogue to, to fit that because... I checked trivia on IMDb, and it didn't say anything about it. Yeah, I mean, that's user-generated, so it doesn't necessarily mean anything. But, like, Rosalita's integral to the plot happening, so I guess that's the ex- explanation for it. Yeah. But I, I feel know. like you could you could totally write Rosalita out of the movie and have a parent find the marble bag at the end, and it would also be fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, they go up to the attic, and I want to say the attic of this movie gave me really lofty expectations of what life was going to be like when I saw this movie as a young child. And it has been a perpetual disappointment since. Although I will say there's no mannequin. There's no dress form in this attic. That's true. Which is weird, but they do have those weird electricity bulbs. Yes. It's basically Indiana Jones kid edition. This, this part of the movie and a couple other parts of the movie. That's fair. And it, like I said, I was assured by this movie that adventure was out there hiding around the corners of my friend's attics. And mostly when I got a chance to see attics, it was just dusty Christmas decorations, maybe a Halloween skeleton or two. And it was very disappointing. Yeah. And then plot twist, ours had a goddamn fake coffin in it and it terrified (laughs) me for years of my life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we had a dad made a fake coffin and he put it in the attic. That's for Halloween. I know that. But it's, it used to freak me the hell out. Yeah, I get it. So they're all looking around. Apparently, they're so they're you said they're, they're like we said their dad was the president of the historic society. So uh, he has the, like the pres the person in charge. I don't know if the title was president, but yes. Yeah, but so he has all this stuff that theoretically is historic and probably priceless and could be you know pawned for a little something something. Well, sure, but also it doesn't belong to him, and it's in his attic, which is a problem to begin with. Like, even if you, even if he's not selling it illegally, like, why is it in your attic, buddy? Here's what you do. Sell it illegally, burn your house down, and then use the insurance money. Well, then they don't have a house. I feel like that doesn't solve the problem. Well, they're going to lose their house if they don't get money anyways, so... 
Yeah, that's. I think my plan works the best. Yeah, I mean, yes, that is true. Although they don't, they also don't have a house at the end of your plan. Although I guess they do have some money, which is better than nothing. You can build a house with the insurance money. So they're finding all this stuff, and Mikey finds a what looks like a map in an old frame, and he doesn't want to break it himself. So he has Chunk hold it because he knows Chunk will drop it because Chunk is fat. If you forgot. Yes, and fat also means incapable of walking two steps without just falling on your face. Oh, hey guys, like, like that's the that's the voice that you would that like the movie treats him. Yes, they treat him like the guy in Seven who dies from gluttony, <laughs> who is like like essentially a giant bag of skin, like a huge deformed person who ate himself literally to death. Is how they treat Chunk, who again is like. Maybe 20 pounds overweight. Like, very clearly someone who could hit a growth spurt and just lose all his baby fat. Yeah, basically. Also, sloth is like goal weight in that movie. What? Oh. <laughs> that's that's not good. <laughs> I thought you meant this sloth, and no, I was like, also sloth. confused. No, I don't want to bulk up like that. So they get the... They, Chunk breaks the frame, obviously, and they pick up the map, and they ask mouth to translate because there's spanish on it and mouth translates it and it still rhymes when he translates it into english which yeah super 100 percent wouldn't happen unless you took the time to translate and sort of rework some of the words yeah exactly it's definitely a translation not a literal translation yes and this uh this scene is just like cliche city and i love it so much because it's, it's the whole thing, like, you guys don't know the legend of this town? Well, let me tell you. Oh, you guys are crazy. Dad made up that story to get you to go to sleep. People looked for that for years. No, it's definitely there. Yeah, no, it's exactly that cliche. Uh, probably one of the earlier versions of it, maybe. I would think so. I also like that they snuck in calling him One-Eyed Willie. And they were just like... Yeah, how did that one slip by the censors? Like, that's a joke that, like, the guys writing the script laughed about and they were like certainly they're gonna make it make us change it to big beard pete or something like that and like ha 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 and then it just like slipped right on by everybody oh boy because uh, you hear it a lot in this film Every, yeah everyone says that at least once yeah no that's the the most often if you did a word cloud of this movie the center of it would be one eye really in huge letters um, and then the, the bad guys show up, the rich assholes, you know, as, as your classic slobs v snobs movie goes. Oh, your parents home. Yeah. And then they leave this very important contract with the children. You definitely can't do that. Like, that's not okay. If you can't mail this and you're trying to serve it to them, which is clearly what he seems to be doing, you can't just leave it with a 15 year old. You need to serve it to the adults. Right. Also... It is clearly work time. Why wouldn't you go to the father's place of work to deliver yes. this? Yeah, these kids are definitely like after school hanging out. This is not this is not the evening. This is a very strange time for this to be happening. Although it, it is uh, Washington, so everything's kind of just gray and cold looking. So it's That's hard to true. pinpoint exact time of day. I was going mostly by sun, but I guess it was summertime too. So that would throw that off. No, they say it's fall. Oh, okay. Wait, really? Yeah, they say why is a summer why would a summer summertime restaurant be open in the fall? 
And like they're all wearing like coats and gloves and stuff. So that's even more callous that they like let these people live in their homes and the kids start a school year just so they could be like, well, sucks to suck and take the, their house away from them. Yeah, and that should have been explored more. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so they leave and Mikey's gets very upset. And we have a really tender moment where Brand is like, come on, and takes care of his little brother. And um, before the mother left, she said, you aren't, Mikey isn't allowed outside because he's a bubble boy, essentially. Yeah, he's got asthma and all the, all the, all the maladies. Um, so he has to, they have to, they decide they're going to tie Brand up to sneak out of the house and they use his like stretchy coil. It's like an exercise. It's like the original version of what's now just an elastic band. It was like a bunch of springs. Yeah. They use that to tie him to the couch and run away. And then they let the air out of his bike tires, which they act as like the most awful permanent thing you can do. Well, I think there's like a real kid logic to this of, it's one thing to make it so he can't chase you. It's another thing to make him spend a lot of money to fix his bike. You know what I mean? No, I know. I, I don't think they should slash his tires. I, the, they treat him letting the air out of the tires as though he's slashing them. He's like, he spent so much money on that bike. And oh, like, yeah, yeah. It is like, weird. Yes. Yeah. It's still a bike, buddy. And then Brolin even comes out and yells mad, like, oh, my brand new tires. It's like, well, they're not. You just have to pump them up. I, in fact, I would have enjoyed a frantic pump the bike tires montage. That would have been great. <laughs> yeah. Like he's like, you know, whipping the pump out of the garage and having it like. <laughs> but instead he steals a small child's bike. Oh, we forgot to mention, by the way, Cindy Lauper shown on television singing the theme song of this movie in the Her movie. Least which least favorite song of hers. But it, she she sings the song in the movie. And then it becomes the soundtrack of the movie, which we complained about in uh, Overboard quite a bit. Did we complain about that? You, you remember Wait, they had they had a montage. Overboard or Overboard? Overboard with Goldie and Kurt was they had a band in the movie play a song. And then later they used that song as like a montage background. My umbrage with that is that there was a separation. This was a transition directly from yeah, this yeah. on TV into this, so it's smoother. okay. Fair. So this is when we get your favorite scene in the whole movie. I'm I'm not gonna step on your toes. And I'm gonna let you have this. What the the vehicular homicide? Yes. Attempted vehicular homicide. Yes. Yes. Um, it's it, this is again a weird scene where like Martha Plim like uh, Tony, the kid of the the jerk bag rich parent keeps trying to adjust his mirror to look up Andy's skirt or down her... She says down her shirt, but it's up her skirt, clearly. And Andy's not happy well, about this. I don't think you could adjust a rearview mirror to look up a skirt. Well, the mirror is showing her skirt. Oh, okay. So that's where I'm basing it on. Okay. Wait, how... Is she, like, sitting on the top of the convertible or something like that? No, she's sitting in the passenger seat, but like the mirror. Oh, so he just has the he just has the mirror tilted at like a fifty degree angle. Yeah. It's just like okay, I never I never put that together. Okay, or I didn't and catch like, it last night when I was watching it. Andy is not happy about it and keeps being like, "Stop fucking touching that mirror!" And Martha Blinton's just like cackling it up in the back seat, like, "LOL, you're being sort of assaulted here." Martha Blinton is kind of a sociopath in this movie. Like, she's not a great friend. She. She doesn't tell, she doesn't interrupt Mikey kissing her in the dark. She doesn't tell her that it was Mikey. It's like very silly, the whole thing. She, anyway, she ain't a good friend. No, it's she is because not. she's jealous that she's, she got popular and hot. Maybe that's what it is. We're, we're delving deeper into this. 
And then they come up on Brand on the tiny training wheel bike. And he's like, no, I don't need a ride. I'm fine. And he's like pedaling furiously. His knees are at his ears. It's wonderful. And Tony's like, nah, we'll give you a ride. And clamps his hand down on it, on like Brand's on the car and just pedal to the metal, goes 200 miles an hour and lets go as they go around a curve. I also love that them selling how fast he's going by cutting to the training wheels, literally like shearing off from the force. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> and he has to like pick his feet up to get him off the pedals because they're going so quick. And Brand should have bag of soup tier. Oh, 1000%. He would have been wrapped around a tree. Yeah. No, he or he would have just like gone into a tree and like snapped in half backwards. Yeah, no, there should be very little of brand left. It should be scattered about the hillside that they should have to get like, what happened to your brother? Well, here's a bit of him. <laughs> shake, shake, shake in a bag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's brand shake and bake. Ew. Um, I also like I always knew that this movie this movie really inspired Stranger Things, but I haven't watched this movie since watching Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And then, like, hearing the kids talk to each other, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, this movie is just, like, this is Stranger Things is just this movie for three, yeah, no, for, like, for sure. ten hours. Yeah, there's a there's other references, but Goonies is definitely at the heart of that. Although I'll Dustin say that, like... Chunk. What's that? Dustin is Chunk. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's the goofy comic relief friend. But I will say, I also, like... Part of what I enjoy about this movie and part of what I think makes Stranger Things good is that there's stakes. Like, you think the kids are going to die on Stranger Things, and you think the kids could die in this movie. Like, you have a little bit of safety. I think in less the... so for this movie, but yes, for Stranger Things. Like, there's there's a little bit in the back of your mind that's like, ah, it's not likely they're going to die. But, like, it could, like, it could, right? Like, the Fratellis are evil. Like, we watch them do all, they, they do refrain from having the Fratellis kill anybody on camera, but we know that they killed a guy because his body's in the freezer. Mm-hmm. I think, for me, it would have been more helpful if, like, there was some reference to them killing a child at some point. Not one of the, not one of our goonies, but just, like, oh, in the past, they, like, killed a kid in a shootout. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you probably would have gotten a little more out of him. It is a little dark for a, it's essentially a children's movie, but I I get what you're saying. Yeah, and, yeah. Like I'm I'm not saying we have to like show them open like don't open the movie with them like execute <laughs> executing a kid in the back of the head. But like, oh, there's a newspaper clipping where they took a kid hostage and then like they never found his body or like something just yeah. to throw away that's like raises the stakes because all they do is point guns at the kids. Yeah. Which is weird because, like you said, like they're not they're they're ruthless people. It seems logical that they would try to kill these kids. Like I want the warning shot above their head moment. Like right. that. Like I need a little more stake here. Right. So they're examining this off-season restaurant that appears to be open, and Chunk finds bullet holes in the back of the car parked in the garage and is, like, very alarmed about it. And then they go in the restaurant, and Mama Fratelli, like, instead of just being like, get out of here, kids, and, like, screaming at them and solving this problem instantly, she, like, brings them in, and they start this ruse about how it's a functioning restaurant, and they start, like, Okay, what do you kids want? And Mouth does this whole like, I want a veal of parmigiana. I want a Mouth meatball. Gets, I would say Mouth and Chunk to actually to all the kids except Mikey get really annoying sometimes. That's true, but it's like, <laughs> like why wouldn't you just yell at the kids like Ah, the restaurant's closed. Rah! Like it seems so simple. Or like hide in the back and pretend to be a ghost. Yeah, like there's many options to get rid of this. Instead, it's like sit down, drink this dirty water. It also looks almost like liquor. 
Yes, it does. Like it doesn't look like dingy, dirty water. It just looks like a like a, a glass of gross liquor. Yeah. Um, but then Mikey, because Mikey is convinced that the the rich stuff, as they keep calling it, I don't know why they picked that. That's such a weird. Yeah, treasure is the word. Yeah. Like what is treasure trademarked? I wonder if um, Sean Astin does have a little bit of a speech impediment in the movie, and I wonder if uh, he just it sounded weird when he said treasure. So he like goes to the bathroom and like sneaks around to look down downstairs. And I was just admiring. I, I think he's a really great children's movie protagonist because he understands the stakes of the situation. He has a sense of urgency and he knows what he's doing. Like he knows what he thinks he knows what to do. So there's never like frustration with him. Like he's sneaking around trying to keep his, keep quiet, puts his hand over his mouth, sits on a ra- sits on a mousetrap, but like, silently screams it's a great it's like he's he's good at this like i enjoy watching him yeah he's i mean he's great in this movie he's great in a lot of movies i i think sean astin is very good he's like oh, yeah. many people we've talked about in this show where they have like a certain number of things they do excellently and you put them in the roles and they do it he is fabulous in stranger things season two i, I didn't uh finish, i didn't finish season two okay yeah. well you got to start I, keeping up because every time I want to make a really good point, you were like, oh, I know I what seen happens to his character. Okay. Well, spoilers for, spoiled for me. Spoilers for season two of stranger things. Uh, I'll be quick, but you should skip like a minute here. My girlfriend and I were watching it and I turned to her like five episodes in the season and I was like, shit. And she's like, what? And I was like, he's the guy that we we're going to fall in love with. And then he's going to get killed. And she was like, oh, no. And I was like, right? And she's like, absolutely. So it was really crushing to like come to that realization. Yeah. Stranger Things, man. But he's great. He's great in, in the Stranger Things. He's, you know, great in Apparently Rudy. great in Lure of the Rings. Yes, we wouldn't know. But other people, other people would tell you how wonderful Sam Frodo, uh, Samwise Gamgee, one of those things. Whatever. But it, that's always, people always like, like, when he was in Stranger Things, we were like, oh, what? Oh, Sam from Lord of the Rings. And I was like, Mikey from Damn Goonies. Damn it, it's Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't cast him in that because he was in Lord of the Rings. They cast him in it because he was a Goonie. Slap. Speaking of which, when is Elizabeth Shue going to be on Stranger Things? Right? It needs to happen. We can get Elizabeth Shue and Leah Thompson as, like, evil doctor scientist oh, ladies. Shut up. I want to see I that. I am, like, 100% here for that. Yeah, yeah. Not act, not literal twin as in, like, twins, but, like, you know, two. A pair. A pair. A duo. Yes. So eventually they get to the basement of this place, and Chunk, who was mentioned that he's hungry, like, six times in this diner scene, which, like, again... he was fat. Right. Like, come on, movie! Uh, knocks over a water jug that is, like, pristine and nice in this basement, which is kind of strange. Makes no sense for this basement. And the water leaking makes a sound like it's falling a long way. And Mikey being the genius about hidden spaces that he is, is like, Oh, there must be a a way out down there. So they like find this tunnel and, you know, start getting down there. And there's like this music cue happens. I don't think this is the first time in the movie, but it's the most noticeable one to me where there's like, and back to the future does it too. This like blink, blink, blink. Yeah. Yeah. This like, this is important. It's like highlighting the movie with a highlighter. I, I do love the music in this movie, and I didn't realize how much I loved it until it was, till this watch through. It's a great bouncy adventure kids adventure movie score. I think it's awesome. So I also noticed there's a scene after that where they go to this freezer, and 
before they find a dead guy, Chunk is listing off the names of ice cream because he's the fat kid. There's no way. stops in his tracks. He's like, I'm leaving. You guys are jerks. You're going to get us all killed. We need to leave. Ice cream? I smell ice cream, which has never been true in the history of the world. No person no has ever, ever smelled ice cream. Not out of a, not packaged in a freezer. Like, what is he, a bloodhound? <laughs> no, he's a, he's a pig because he travel hunts. Right. But clearly this poor actor had to improvise these ice creams because it's like Rocky Road, mint chocolate chip, chocolate chip cookie dough, long pause, long pause, apple. Long pause. Long pause. Grape. And I'm like, two of those are not ice creams. <laughs> grape is not an ice cream. Grape has grape has never been an ice cream. I'll give you apple, maybe. But like grape? Yeah, no, this is bananas. Like, thank you no thank you, sir. Bananas. This is, there's yes. an ice cream flavor. Yes, yeah. There has never been a grape ice cream available at commercial level. Maybe at like some little farm stand or some weird ice cream shop. I mean, there's a place here in Baltimore that does like all sorts of weird nonsense flavors. I went in there and they had jalapeno popper. So like maybe they've done grape, but do they bread the ice cream? Like what do they, would they do the cone? Do they dip it in breading? No, it's cream cheese, ice cream with, um, jalapeno bits. And, uh, the breading is like a swirl in there. That actually sounds pretty good. I'd eat that. But like I have I, a bite of that. That's exactly how I feel. Like I don't want to eat a cone of these weird ice cream flavors. I, this is I'm going to take a second to grandstand about ice cream flavors. Nobody I'm wants sure that's that. That's the first time you've ever said that sentence. <laughs> but I'm just saying, nobody. Who is that for? Like you can't tell me you're selling as many scoops of jalapeno popper as you are mudslide or you know Maryland mud with coffee and chocolate and all that good stuff in it. Like who is that for? I'm sure they just make one ten ga- like one ten gallon tub of it, and then yeah. once it's done, it's done. Yeah, but it's like you know, because there's that place in Rehoboth that's like we have bacon flavor and ranch flavor and Dorito right. flavor. Yeah, like k- k- keep it, keep it. Everybody wants normal ass flavors of ice cream. Okay, like there's a reason. I'll have a sample of it, but I don't, yeah, no one's ordering a cone. No. And if you do, you're like, well, this was a mistake. Four, four licks into it, you're like, I have to eat this now. This is my you life. You got it because you were a YouTuber, and yeah. you want to make an extreme video about it. Yeah, like, oh, we got sweet corn and bacon ice cream. And then you have to eat the whole thing looking more and more depressed as you realize what your life has become as you, you know, film it. Over some royalty-free Skrillex sound. Exactly. Lear, dear ice cream manufacturers, keep it. However, keep going with the low-calorie, high-protein, low-carb ice creams, because I'm on board with those. I hate it. I love them so much. They don't taste like ice cream. Doesn't yes, anyone do. care about mouthfeel? Does no one care about mouthfeel? They taste they like... They totally do. I, I, if you blindfolded you... me and gave me a spoonful of that and a spoonful of Ben & Jerry's, one of them is going to taste like sand in your mouth. No, not like sand. You aren't eating good ones, then. Halo Top is the one everybody jizzes over. I like Halo Top, but I like Enlightened more because Enlightened has lower carbs. They have terrible mouthfeel. It's stupid. Just they don't. You it. let them soften up. Enlightened has. It's one worse when they night. get softened up. It's you have to soften so much up a little bit. It's uh, worse it's that hard. way. No, it's not. That's how you're supposed to do it. That's what they say. They're like, hey, it's going to be too hard coming out of the fridge. It's not. I don't. My, my beef is not that it's too hard. My beef is the texture of the ice cream does not feel creamy like ice cream does. Oh, mine always does. It has like a weird 
Inlight has one called Movie Night, and it's a popcorn-flavored ice cream with caramel swirls and chocolate bits, and it is my jam. I would love it if it was made with actual ice cream. Oh, my God. You can just... keep... You can keep. I'm a very big ice cream snob. I I admit it. I am a, a ice cream snob. Oh, you're right. That's the one thing you're. It's not about. the one thing. I would never said one thing. Check the record. I did not say one thing. I just said about this thing. I am a snob. I love the low calorie ice because I don't. I'm not trying to eat a thousand friggin' calories. I've gotten to the point. I've gotten to the point where I literally will not buy store-bought ice cream if it's not Ben and Jerry's or Haagen-Dazs. I wait for them to be on sale and I buy those because I can't – everything else is trash now. They all have carabine gum and locust gum and carrageenan and it's all nonsense. Locust gum? L- locust bean gum is an actual thing that is used to make ice cream. It's in your Halo Top or Enlightened, I'm sure. I never heard of locust bean. Well – they use it to emulate creaminess. Xanthan gum is usually what they do for that. Yes, xanthan gum, carrageenan, all that shit. Milk, cream, sugar, maybe an egg. No, I want less calories. No, I'd eat less ice cream. Simple solution. Okay, you're right. I just want one spoonful of ice cream. Oh, Said I'm, no I'm, one I'm, ever. I would rather have F off. an actual serving of Ben & Jerry's than a whole pint of Halo Top. That's you should see ridiculous. his face right now. I wish I had a picture of your face right now. Like the incredulous, just, the incredulous look you're giving me is like buck like wild. That's so much less ice cream. Yeah, because it's good instead of garbage. It is not garbage ice cream. It is. It's not as good well, as Ben and Jerry's. You're 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 telling yourself that you like it better just as much or whatever because you want to eat the whole pint, but you know in your heart that I'm right about this. No, because I eat Ben and Jerry's now, and all I can do is like. It's so sweet, and I know I can like I can eat three scoops. Of, I can have a spoonful of this. Otherwise, I'm gonna ruin everything I'm working for, and it's not worth it. It's no way to live. Why? I, I eat just, ice cream. Yeah, trash ice cream. You are the only one who thinks that way. Well, apparently everybody is wrong, and I'm right. That's a fresh take for you, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's not the first time I've had that thought. Maybe the first time I've said it out loud. So we're anyway, way, of course, yeah. Uh, so we get uh, another wonderful scene in this movie. They they start getting Tr- Chunk gets trapped in the freezer with a dead body, and his friends just bail on him, which is really they, no. They think he's with them. I guess, but like when they get down there, they're like, okay, wait, wait, where's Chunk? I just I feel like there's no way they let the fat kid climb down the tunnel last. So like you'd think they would have noticed earlier is my thing. Well, not a damn one of them climbs down with any sense of urgency. So who no. knows? <laughs> well, they probably were very afraid of falling and getting injured since they're children <laughs> you know what? in the movies. You know what else you should be afraid of? The friggin' Fratellis. Well, they the have ca- guns. The characters are afraid of the Fratellis. I think Sean Astin, the person, mostly just doesn't want to break his leg. Um, I, I got so frustrated watching them climb so slowly. I was like, look, I'm going down first and leaving everyone behind. <laughs> they they climbed it like wrestlers in a ladder match where, like, the whole gimmick of a ladder match is, like, you have to climb up to grab the title. It's, like, 10 feet off the ring. And yeah. so, logically, like, the way to win would be, like, you just sprint to the ladder and climb it as fast as possible. But there'll be scenes where, like, a wrestler is climbing and there's no one in the ring to stop him and he's not supposed to win. So he has to, like drag himself up this ladder step by step and it's always like you're not that tired damn it <laughs> you've been fighting for five minutes yeah so yeah they definitely they do climb it that way but chunk gets trapped in the freezer and they go down the tunnel and they're like well the fratellis are here we better run and then they find this room full of pipes 
And it's like, oh, this is the pipes for the whole town. I have an idea. Let's just bang on them and make noise. Like, okay, I'm with you so far. Good plan, I even. Like, smart. Like, people would notice that, presumably, of like a, you know, banging on the pipe. You don't have a way to communicate where you are, but okay, sure. Yeah, maybe it gets attention. But when they start banging on the pipes, every pipe in the city just like starts jutting up and out like a water fountain goes all the way to the ground and then shoots up high and like the The toilet gets pushed into the ceiling. The kid gets like ejector toileted through the ceiling. Do they ever address why this kid is dressed like he's in prison? No, he just wears a, a red tracksuit, like a douche nozzle. But it's it's a it's a solid color. It looks like a prison jumpsuit. Like it's red instead of orange, but it looks kind of like a prison jumpsuit. And then he has prison jumpsuit like slip on shoes. I didn't notice those. Like the like, almost like. But weren't Vans like big in the eighties? They're not Vans though. They're like they're like the shoes they wear in Orange Is the New Black. They like kind of look like Keds, but they don't have laces. Yeah, like the Van slip on. Well, the van slip-ons I thought had, like, some style. These are, like, very boring canvas shoes. But anyway, he kind of looks like he's in prison for a second. And then he gets pushed to the roof while sitting on a toilet, which I kind of like. Yeah, that's a good moment. Andy has a really great breakdown that I never noticed before this watching. She's, like, in the tunnel, and she's like, Why do I have to complain about Troy looking at my skirt? I should appreciate someone looking at my skirt. I have a great body. Don't I have a great body? How much longer am I going to have a great body? Like, she thinks she's going to die in the tunnel, so it's like, what have <laughs> I like, left oh behind? God, what have I done? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's very good in this movie. I wish she was doing more. So, fun fact about Andy. Uh, the role was... Uh, Heather Langenkamp came in to audition for the role and really wanted it, but she was 20, and they thought she was too old, so they let her go. And she was apparently harbored such resentment over this for years that when Steven Spielberg felt sorry and like wanted to offer her the role of Ellie Sattler in Jurassic Park, she was like, no, I'm already doing New Nightmare. Wow. That's the stupidest choice anyone has ever made in history, Heather Langenkamp. I, I was like, no, Heather. Not like, here's like Laura Dern. I will, I stand for Laura Dern all damn day. But uh, like. Objectively, Heather Langenkamp would have not made it. That that movie would have been less good with Heather Langenkamp instead of Laura Dern. Yeah, he offered her Laura Dern, and she was like, no, I'm doing New Nightmare already. And Wes Craven went, really? <laughs> I mean, okay. <Yeah. laughs> I wouldn't do that, but all right. <laughs> Does he, can I play Ellie Sadler? <laughs> oh, my God, Wes Craven in a blonde wig <laughs> and a crop top. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm super here for that. Now I just want to see, like, any, like, kind, like, hot young lady role played by an elderly man. Not elderly, <laughs> but, like, a middle-aged man in the same costume. Yeah, no, I, I think that would be good. Like, uh, how they replaced Chris, uh, what's, her, what's his nuts with Christopher Plummer? Yeah, exactly. They just Christopher Plummer replaces everybody, so, like, women too? <laughs> yes. Christopher Plummer as Juliet and Begley Jr. as Romeo. The romance uh-huh. stands the test of time. Shakespeare's and Romeo and Juliet. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's the tagline. But they both they're both playing it like they're 13. Yes. Okay, wait. New twist. Christopher Plummer as Juliet and Begley Jr. as Romeo. But it's like a 2018 shitty update where like they're texting they whip and nay nay no well yeah but also like i want a lot of emojis 
like mostly they communicate via emoji and so like it's like over their head well it's like how do i compare thee to a sun emoji calendar emoji you know what i mean <laughs> it, I, it is the left or right directional arrow and woman emoji is the sun emoji like that's what i want i also i'm here for that but i'm, I'm gonna i'm shockingly gonna swap out ed bagley jr for like some Di- some former Disney Channel star, so it's Christopher Plummer. No, as that's Mercutio. The Mer- Mercutio is the former Disney Channel star. No, I was saying like it's like eighty year old Christopher Plummer as thirteen year old Juliet, an actual seventeen year old boy as Romeo, <laughs> and he has to like kiss, be like <laughs> he has to get kissed <laughs> by Christopher Plummer when he's like some poison doth linger on these lips, like Zac Efron or something. But like Zac Efron in High School Music, like I like that. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Not today, Zac Efron. A person that we don't know because we aren't up on Disney Channel actors is what you're saying. Yes, but yes, exactly. A Zac Efron type. <laughs> yes, has to get kissed by Christopher Plummer. Into it, so into it. Here for it. Um, so so we get my favorite sitcom within a movie, which is Sloth and Chunk, Best Buds. We hang out with these two people for so much runtime in the second half of this movie. Too much, one might say. Like a lot too much. And I like <laughs> I don't I don't know what the point of Sloth is as a character really. Like if I'm being honest. I, I don't either. Like I don't really quite understand what like what we're like I guess it's because they needed a reason for the character to turn on his family and help the kids, but there are like many ways to accomplish that without this like hideously deformed person that they conjured. It's such a weird choice. I, I never, he always felt a little out of place. And as a kid, like kind of frightening. Yeah. Sloth is frightening, but the two of them like become fast friends when they're tied up in this room together. And it's like, Oh, here's a candy bar. And like, you know, let's watch TV together. And then it's like, oh, you can help me escape. And then they escape. And, you know, it's just like the two of them hang out for a long part of the movie. That's just very confusing. Yeah. Um, we then also get one of my favorite lines in the movie. Because this movie has a lot of quick, like, throwaway moments. And Brand goes to move a rock that he thinks will, let, like, if he moves the rock, he'll get further at, like, advance in the cave. And Martha Plimpton's like... Brand, uh, g- g- God put that rock there for a reason. And yes. And I feel like we should uh, respect that. She's She has a couple of really wonderful moments. Like, I think that character is kind of meh, but her performance as this as character is awesome. Is what that, makes it. Yeah, that line reading is lovely. So we get to this wishing well, and at the bottom, they realize it's a wishing well. They f- see all this change, and at first they're like, oh, we should take all this money. And then they're like, oh, wait, we're at the bottom of the wishing well. Uh, and Mikey is like, these are someone's wishes. We can't take them. And there's this no, kind of like... is the one who says... We, she's like, these are someone's wishes. This oh, you're money. right. You're right. No, it is money. Just grab it. I don't know. I, I think I, I kind of like the sentiment of it. But um, I also think it, it has the first of two dark turns of the movie where Mouth is like, well, this is my wish because it never came true. And now, like, my life is terrible. And it's like, whoa. Like, we're in a children's movie here, gang. We could... If you're not going to specify how, you should not say anything. Yeah, like, what does that mean? Uh, What am I thinking now? It's pretty dark, pretty dark and gloomy. What you're saying is terrible. Uh, And then they see the douchey guy up at the top of the well, and they're like, send the bucket down. And then 
Mikey gives the big speech. He's like, we're Goonies and Goonies never say die. And I love that. She's like, wait, I'm not a Goonie. Like, I'm not, I'm not. These laws don't apply to me. I'm here, but I'm not part of this. Like I, I'm just here. I'm going back to the hot popular girl embassy. (laughs) Excuse me. My father is going to pick me up in our limousine and we will be going far, far away from here. Also, would that rope and bucket even support anyone's weight? Probably not. Like, it might hold, like, Mikey or Data, the the, the tinier ones. Yeah, I mean, certainly the correct answer is, like, oh, there's a bunch of kids down the well. Let's call the fire department. And then you, like, have a rescue. You know what I mean? Like, they drop a ladder down there. But, yeah, I don't know that this rope could have sustained them even if they wanted it to. It sure ain't sustaining uh, Josh Brolin. No. And I also wonder, like, why is, like, I've never seen a well that wasn't being actively used as a well that still had the bucket attached because it's wickedly dangerous. Yeah, I, get, I mean, I haven't really been around many wells, so I don't know. But yeah, I wouldn't. I, would I mean, thought. I don't have, like, a ton of well experience. It's not like I have <laughs> months of time in my life that I spent around wells. But, like, normally they you have a subscription to Wells Weekly. Yeah, exactly. Like, they board them up because it's wickedly dangerous. It's just a big hole in the middle of this public park. We all saw the ring. Yeah, exactly. Samara's down there, and then you're screwed. <laughs> so then we get some great children's movie magic physics where Data falls down a hole and releases a slinky with some chattering teeth on the end, and they uh, grab onto the rocks above him and stop him from being impaled. Well, they are pinchers of power. Yeah, okay, sure. It says, it says both pinch and power right there in the name, so I don't know what your beef is. All right, I'll give... You're right. These inventions are foolproof. <laughs> well, if you give it a name like Pinchers of Power, I have to trust that it's actually a both a pincher and with some power. My problem with these inventions is that it's very much video game physics. We're like, here, take this large, you know, leg of lamb. And they do, they take it and then put it behind their back and it just disappears. Yes. Because... He opens up his coat a lot, and just there's the invention right there. And I was like, yeah. that was not there the last time you opened your coat or the time <laughs> before you opened your coat. Just just, just whatever you need happens to spin around to the right position, huh? That's, uh, that's yeah. real convenient. A nice little rotating uh, belly. Uh, we get one of my favorite scenes of the movie. I've said that a bunch of times, but uh, this one is really great, where uh, Chunk and Sloth call the cops, and... Chunk, it's revealed, has, like, told many a lie to the police. And I added a new wrinkle to my love of the scene when watching it last night because he talks about, like, little monsters that you pour water on and they multiply, which is, like, a cute Gremlins reference. But my favorite part is he goes, when you told me that Russians had taken over all the Sizzlers in town, imagine, if you will, a time in America... We're a town the size of Astoria, which is like maybe 5,000 people, had Sizzlers plural in town. I don't know where a Sizzler is. Well, well, I, well, okay, yeah, Sizzler's gone to business. But like use a modern day equivalent. Like imagine a town with a population of like ten to 15,000 that had Applebee's's like, <laughs> like three or four. Like that just isn't how they work. Like fast food restaurants mul- multiply in one place. But like, oh, w- which Applebee's are we going to? There's six in this town. Like what? How are there multiple Sizzlers? That's not how this works. What? what? Unless it's like some commentary about how 
if if Chunk is fat, then the whole town is fat, and they just have to have Sizzlers to feed this enormous trough family. I, I think you're giving the movie too much credit with that one. Like the I, the chunks the chunks have like a season pass to the Sizzler as a family. <laughs> I feel like that one should have been a reference to like Red Dawn. What do you mean? Like it shouldn't have been like when the Russians took over the Sizzlers. Oh the oh oh school. oh yeah yeah no I think it was the, the, I mean the only reason it's a Gremlins reference is because it's Spielberg. That's true. But yeah, I just I just love that idea that like this town this town that we see is one in financial trouble and two very small has Sizzlers plural. <laughs> so we cut back to the caves and Mikey decides to call for a bathroom break and this is when he kisses andy even though she thinks it's his brother and i I, i'm like i've kissed people in darker in a dark room i know who i'm kissing yeah andy yeah you know who you're kissing and the saddest thing too is like i'm pretty sure it's her first kiss and so it's like this moment gets taken away from her and i really have like i i know this is terrible but like I ha- find it hard to find, like, to apply too much fault to the 10-year-old boy who's probably just like, oh, what? Oh, yeah, he fully, I don't blame him at all. I don't blame any, no one. No one's to blame like, for Like, what he now. did is inappropriate, right? Like, he shouldn't do, like, human beings shouldn't do this, but he's a 10-year-old child or whatever, so, like, I, well, I give him. Get, he shouldn't, what, get kissed? Well, I think he could have been like, whoa, you know what I mean? Like, he obviously could have stopped this, but I, like... Well, later in the movie, Andy straight up says the parts of you that don't work so good are going to work great later. So, like, I don't know what the fuck happened <laughs> in this case. I think she's talking about his inhaler. I, you're you're drawing issue, You're drawing lines that I don't think anybody needs to be drawing. It weirded me he out. Is a chi- he was talking about his inhaler. Stop making it gross. You're making, a, you're making it, make it gross. gross. You're making it gross. I'm not trying to make it gross. People are listening to this show, including our mother. You're making it gross. Stop it. I'm not trying to. She is. No, you are. You're the one with the foul mo- mouth in mind. I think everybody knows that she meant the inhaler and his, his asthma. Because later he throws away the inhaler, remember? So he... That, also, another point. Does he just not have asthma anymore? Yeah, she like, kissed his mom. Him. Was his mom just have Munchausen by proxy, and she was like, "You're it." Was it? Was it? It? Yes. Was it? It all over it, again. It was the kid in it. Yes, it was. Anyways, but I my bigger issue is like I can't believe Martha Plinton isn't like, "Hey, whoa, stop! That's not who you think it is. Like that's her job. That's your friend. What are you doing?" And her thing instead is to be like. Next time, do it with your eyes open. And then Andy is like, oh, yeah, uh, I think he must have been standing in a hole because he was shorter. Like, okay, is this character... Also, does he have braces? The, 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 character, the character of Andy in this movie, the way they, they, they create her, is like basically a person who needs to be reminded how to breathe. <laughs> yes! So they're, running, they're escaping the Fratellis, and there's a big log for some reason, that hasn't been destroyed by water damage in 200 years. Right, this would be a toothpick. It wouldn't be anything. There'd be, like, some splinters in the water. But they do this stupid movie and video game thing of, like, I have to walk across this log upright for style points. Like, no, just bear hug and, like, inchworm your way down the log. Yeah, or crawl. Like, either one of those is fine. Lower your center of gravity. You'll You'll stay on the log better. Yes, yeah. As we talked about in our Troop Beverly Hills episode way back. Yes. And we get to the uh, famous organ scene where Andy has to play piano to save everyone's life. Complicatedly. So, 
a couple of years ago when the escape room fad was at its highest, I did a couple of them. I don't know if you ever did any, but I've done one or two. Um, the biggest disappointment I had with one of them was there was a bit where you needed to play a chord on a piano and we kept playing the chord and nothing was happening. And finally, like the radio crackled and they're like, you got to move the music book. And we moved the music book and the drawer fell open. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like I was about to have a real life Goonies moment here and your stupid escape room is set up so poorly that I didn't get to have it. Like the whole reason I paid for this is to have a Goonies moment and you were going to give it to me. And then you idiots ruined it. It was extremely disappointing. That's so dumb. Why yes. didn't you do that? I, they it was they it was like not set up correctly, so it, it got jammed and couldn't fall open. But it was supposed oh. to be like you played the chord and the thing fell open, and inside was the next key. Mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting that she knew she had she was playing chords instead of notes for this, which never made sense to me. Cause like nowhere was it written. You had to play chords. And like, if I look at it, if I look at music on a staff, my instinct isn't to play a chord. It's to play the note. I can't read music. So I have no idea. I assume there was some way in that it was written. That it would imply chord versus single notes. Is it not? There is a way to do that, but the, it's literally written like one line, one staff of music with individual notes on it. I think mm, maybe, maybe whoever wrote it didn't know how to read music. Oh, maybe. But then also later she says, I don't know if it's A sharp or B flat, and uh, those are the same notes. I even knew that, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Sharps and flats do that. So she's playing the chords, and as she does, like pieces of the floor are falling away. It's a pretty great scene. And then Data punches one of the Fratellis with one of his magic I- items attached to his waist, and then scurries back as the Fratellis fall on their nuts on this log. And then she finally gets the door open all the way, and there's like a... a drawbridge type thing that falls down and they hustle over. They definitely could have climbed up earlier. Than way earlier. To. Way earlier than they chose to. Absolutely. Yes. Like, Brand, make, oh, like, link your hands together uh-huh. and start basket tossing kids over the wall. <laughs> exactly. Get up. Go. Go. Agreed. Hop, hop, hop. Uh, so we finally get the big reveal of the ship, which is probably the coolest part of the movie, and uh, it's an amazing ship. Like, all credit to the people who worked it's on making beautiful. this. beautiful. Yeah. They made a full-on pirate ship, and it is incredible, like just a full-scale pirate ship. I've heard before in behind-the-scenes things that they intentionally didn't show the kids the ship. So the reaction mm-hmm. that you see in the movie is genuine, that they were like, oh, my God. And a couple of them, they had to bleep out the swears because they were like, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I love that story. Um, so they get to the ship, and there is no... They can't, they don't see any gold, so everyone just turns on Mikey instantly. Yes, as if, like, discovering a pirate ship wouldn't be the coolest thing that happened in your whole life. Like, I don't care if these people have kids, or get married, or cure cancer. It will all pale in comparison to the time when you were 13 and you found a pirate ship. That was thought to be destroyed and lost to time. Yes, like, come on. So they finally get to the treasure room, eventually. They, like, bust their way in there, and... They're, they're like piling jewels into their bags and stuff. And then Mikey is like, okay, I read this book of the Hardy boys. So we put a trail of jewels into one cave. Then we hide in the other one. And it's like the dumbest little kid plan. And mama Fratelli interrupting me like, that's a pretty good plan is like so perfect. That's so brilliant. I love mama Fratelli. I want more of her. Like, I wish there was more of her in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Um, I could even do with less goons and more just Mama Fratelli. Yeah, like, I'm down for that. 
So she she gets them up on the deck and she makes them walk. The, she, well, first she takes all their jewels away and all the stuff they've collected, and then uh, she makes them walk the plank. And she has Andy's hands tied together. So, like you said, the, she could have just shot her. She was obviously committed to killing her anyway. Mm-hmm. Not that like here's the thing, you can you can the water wasn't that deep. Like it wasn't like they were in the middle of an ocean. Andy can sort of like inchworm swim doggy paddle her way to the side. I don't know. If your hands and feet are tied together, it's pretty tough to swim. I don't think anyone's feet were tied, though. Oh, I thought they tied her feet together. Because, like, no, yeah, if I it's just, just your hands, hand. you could probably you could probably be okay. But I don't know, man. That's It's tough to do if you're not a real strong swimmer. That's fair. So Brant jumps in to save Andy, and then Sloth and Chunk swing in with the most famous line of the movie. Hey, you guys. Nice. And uh, they come swashbuckling in like Errol Flynn. It's pretty great. Yeah, because they were watching an Errol Flynn movie when Sloth was tied up in the basement. And they, like, intervene, and the kids kind of get away, which they do by jumping the plank. She was going to make them walk anyway, which I don't don't quite follow yeah, <laughs> as far the, as plans the last, go. The last 20 minutes of this movie are pretty, pretty rough shot. It's just sort of like, oh, whatever. Uh, thankfully, they did cut out the scene with the octopus in the water, which was, like, wholeheartedly insane. Have- I wouldn't have been mad at the giant octopus. It's so bad looking, though. Like, even by 85 standards, it's a rough looking prop. Well, yeah, it's not good, but it's still fun and stupid. Uh, But the Fratellis, unlike the Goonies, just take all the jewels, whereas the Goonies are like, no, that's one-eyed Willie's gold. He needs to keep that. You know, they honor the curse. Uh, And so when the Fratellis take it, it rigs a final booby trap. And the kids, like, hustle away as the, sh- the cave starts falling in around them. And uh, Sloth seems to sacrifice himself to get the kids out, which is, like, a nice, you know, gesture that he does. Yeah. And instead of him dying there, uh, Chunk decides to burden his family with Sloth. Well, also, so they have a reunion with the family at the beach just before that burden happens. And Sloth's, or Chunk's mom brings him a whole pizza. A whole pizza. Really, movie? Really? <laughs> like, the first thing this woman does when she's seen her son after he's been missing for a day is stuff up dominoes in his face? Come on. Come on, movie. I mean, for me, if someone was like, you've been missing, here's some cheesy bread. I would be like, nom, 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 nom. No, of course you're hungry. It's the po- I, Of course. But it's not like, oh, we brought pizzas for the gang. It's like, I brought a pizza for my fat child. Because he's fat, in case you forgot. Look, if someone was to show up with, like, a Wawa hoagie tray in that situation, like, I'm grabbing yeah. a hoagie. Yeah. <laughs> hum, hum, hum. Yeah, yeah, I'm of course. monster on that tray. Yeah, I would love a crisp, tasty hoagie in that moment. But the point of it is, the movie is like, hey, look at this fat kid. But yeah, the idea that he's like, Sloth, you're going to live with me now. It's like, whoa, this is a person who's going to need round-the-clock care for the rest of his life. Did we ask anybody for permission before we're just throwing this offer around? You are a 12-year-old boy. You are not empowered to make any decisions. You can't even decide what you want to eat for lunch. No, he can. The answer is everything. <laughs> now you're doing it. I'm just... Like, that is what the movie treats him. Yes, you're not wrong. So we get the big climactic scene where the douchey guy is like, all right, sign the papers, and he starts to sign it, and then Rosalita's like... Don't sign. I have jewels. And she's found this marble bag full of jewels. Now, the internet will frequently tell you, like, mm, excuse me, how does this guy possibly know how much these jewels are worth? Here's my counter to that. 
This man, as we know, is the head of the historical society for this town. Regardless of what those jewels are worth, he knows the legend of One-Eyed Willie, and now he has definitive proof that that legend is true because he's seen the treasure. So, one, he knows that there is a massive amount of treasure available should he be able to get it. And two, the fact that an actual pirate ship thought to be lost for decades has been found by his children means there's going to be a huge rush of historical information desired Arguably in these centuries. Yes. So he also, knows. Why does no one go after the ship? Well, it, it feels. Goes, they, I assume someone went after there's it. There's no eventually. Coast Guard to be like, hey, <laughs> Coast Guard, there's a pirate ship with no one manning it. Can you go get that? <laughs> well, especially because maritime salvage law means if you catch it, it's yours. And Mikey caught it. Well, I mean, you'd have to catch it. Like, you'd have to. I think Mikey, like, having laid hands on it then would not. You know, like once it got away from him, I think it's fair game again. Oh, that seems shitty. What is it like? Capture the flag? I think it is. Yeah. I mean, I know like I obviously I don't actually know maritime salvage law, but I'm pretty sure that like if you find something, it's yours. But anyway, I say Mikey found it. I've always found it ridiculous that people like can't draw the, the line of the logic of the movie that like this man is a historical curator. And the biggest historical find of a millennia has just been found in his little town. He's going to be making money off it for a long time, regardless of what those jewels are worth. Yeah, that's true. Mega tourism, mega bucks. Uh, And then uh, another fun thing to watch for if you're watching the movie is when he tears up the papers and throws them in the air, there's very clearly like a second person that throws the paper (laughs) because it comes in from a second direction of confetti. And it's really lovely. So that's that's it. That's the Goonies. Uh, Final thoughts? The Goonies are good enough. Yeah. High recommend for me. I like we grew up watching. Oh yeah, this movie. high recommend. I was making a joke, but it's yeah. high recommend. Yeah. Uh, I highly recommend. I enjoy the hell out of this movie. I think you will too if you grew up with it. Obviously, you know if you like it or not. Uh like I said, it's probably not gonna be a real winner for somebody who is a full grown person, but worth a shot, because it's kind of a classic and if you like Stranger Things, it basically just straight up rips this movie off. Yeah. It's it's a classic children's fair. We probably won't have a Cindy Lauper connection on our anniversary show this year, just because we just did this here instead. Uh, there may be an opportunity for one more Cindy thing. Not sure, but uh, that this may be it for her. So if it is, thank you so much. We appreciate we your love service, you, Cindy. Yes, thank you all so very much for listening to the show. It's like we said, really buck wild to be still doing this four years later. Uh, come with this hundredth episode. Never would have guessed that it would have lasted this long. I uh, would have assumed we would have, you know, stopped at any point along the way. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never done any creative project this as long as we've done this podcast. So I, I uh, really tremendously proud of this and really happy that, especially lately, it seems like more and more people are tuning in and checking out the show. So thank you for that. We really appreciate it. Uh, we really love doing this, and we want to keep doing it, um, and we will keep doing it. But if you could spare a few bucks for the Patreon that helps us do that. Cause it costs money to do the show. We got to, you know, pay for hosting and all sorts of stuff. And there's some significant changes to how podcasts have to be posted coming through Apple. So we got to pay for podcast hosting in a different way now. And so any little bit will help. Uh, I know there's lots of folks out there asking you for your help and we totally get if you can't. And we hope that uh, if you can't, you can do the simple thing and review the show on iTunes. Cause if you can't help financially, that's the thing you could do. Uh, another thing you can do as always is tell two friends podcasts are the perfect pyramid scheme because it doesn't cost anybody any money free yeah free you tell two friends if you like the show tell two friends 
So we are going to continue this month. Uh, there are two episodes left in July. We are christening this to lie. So we're going to do part two sequels to movies that we've done other installments of. Mm-hmm. We'll tell you what the next episode will be in just a sec. But first, before we do that, just a couple quick housekeeping things. Don't forget to review the show, like I said, uh, on, on iTunes. And also, if you need more from us, facebook.com slash dissectingthe80s, dissect the 80s on Twitter, and 856-D-I-S-S-E-C-T if you want to leave a message, and dissectingthe80s at gmail.com. I've had a lot of people lately chiming in on Facebook and Twitter, and it always makes our day for someone to, to say hello and tell us about something like that. So if that's uh, been you, thank you. Uh, uh, we just we really like you know when people take the time to do that. We know there's a million things out there competing for your attention. So anytime somebody takes the time to shout out to us, we we really appreciate it. Uh, recently had some fun Facebook chat with a listener named Eric. So thanks for getting in touch with us on Facebook, Eric, and thanks for letting us know what you think about the show. So we will be back in two weeks, July sixteenth, to start to lie with. Nightmare on Elm Street 2, the gay one. Thank you again so, so much for listening. 100 episodes is really blowing my mind. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to our show. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until July 16th. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. <laughs> The things we're gonna cut out in editing. <laughs> I, I don't have a. Th- what do I? <laughs> Whatever you want. Uh, you could just say my fratelli brother. That's fine. Well, no, but also like it's usually like, usually say like my brother. Yeah, yeah, I know. I put Mandrew. you on the spot. Yeah, I put you on the spot. Um, I almost said Dusty Ray Bottoms, but that's a drag queen and not the Dusty. <laughs> What's your Dusty? <laughs> dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes. I was like, okay, that's close. <laughs> like, that's not crazy for me. I like Fratelli Brother. Yeah, I said Fratelli, but I wasn't sure if I should say my Fratelli Brother. Yeah, I think that was fine. The Macho Mandrew kind of, you know, because you usually say like a thing. Yeah, in the Macho yeah, Mandrew. yeah. Yeah, no, it's you could have stopped there. Okay. I can I can just say my name from there. I'll I'll just pick it up. Hold on, give me a sec to. Okay.